Hello, and welcome to 360 United Way of Central Ohio's podcast. I'm your host, Angel Harris, Chief Development Officer, and I'm here today with Darcy Congrove, Certified Public Accountant and Managing Director of GBQ Accounting Firm. Darcy's a longtime volunteer with our United Way, and we're here for part two of the discussion on changes with the tax code and how it may affect charitable giving. Darcy, thanks for coming back with us. Thanks for having me. In the first part, we got to talk a lot about what it means to itemize deductions on your tax return and a bit about how this could affect charitable giving with nonprofit organizations. So this time around, I'd like to talk a little bit about how the change could impact taxpayers at different income levels. Okay. So one of the first scenarios that you shared with me, Darcy, um, is an individual who earns $75,000, they rent and they invest $250 in local nonprofits. Tell me a little bit about this individual and how the tax change might affect them. So the first thing that we should remember from our first podcast (laughs) is that we get to deduct charitable contributions when we qualify to itemize our deductions. And itemized deductions are comprised primarily of mortgage interest, real estate taxes, state and local taxes, and charitable contributions. And so someone who rents and has income of $75,000 is almost never going to be in a place where they're going to itemize. It would be an unusual situation where that person would have enough uh, in terms of tax payments to state and local government and other miscellaneous itemized deductions that would get them over the threshold to itemize. So typically what we see is that renters are not itemizing. So when we look at this person's $250 contribution to the United Way, we know that they weren't able to deduct it before the tax law changed, Mm -hmm. and they won't be able to deduct it after the tax law changed because they're using the standard deduction. So there's really no impact for this person whatsoever. I think that oftentimes that perception is different than the reality that people understand about their tax situation because when you give to charity, you get a receipt that says this is tax deductible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are plugging those numbers into TurboTax and just assuming uh-huh. that it gives them a deduction. But in this case, we actually would not have a difference okay. between the old law and the new law. That's very helpful. And that's a great point that you made in part one of our podcast. There are some individuals who give to charity, uh, Live United, thanks to all our donors. Um, but this, this change may not affect them very much right. because they may not have known that their deductions weren't itemized as they completed their tax return or their accountant did that for them. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So the second scenario is a married couple with three children where each spouse earns $175,000 a year. As part of their scenario, they invest $5,000 in local charities. How might the change affect them? So this is a very different scenario than our first person who was a renter because this couple has a lot more income, which means they're paying a lot more in state and local income taxes, which are deductible. They also own a home and have mortgage interest that's deductible and real estate taxes. So these deductions in combination with their $5,000 charitable contribution cause them to have itemized deductions in total that are greater than the new $24,000 standard Mm -hmm. deduction. So their charitable contribution is gonna be fully deductible in the year of the gift. And that deduction is gonna provide them with an offsetting tax savings of approximately $900 which in this case is their $5,000 in donations multiplied by their effective tax rate of 18%. They also are gonna benefit from the new child tax credit of $2,000 per child, 
which is going to cost them to pay $6,000 less in federal taxes than they would have paid under the prior year rate structure. So they're going to have savings from the rates being lower than they were in 17, and they're also going to have savings from some of the new credits and provisions and still benefit from a tax perspective from their donation. Wow, $6,000, that's really significant. Right, so the new child tax credit is $2,000 per child. That's that's great, so they might take that $6,000 and invest it back in United Way. They should, <laughs> yes, you should be approaching families with lots of kids. <laughs> so another scenario is a retired married couple with a combination of $100,000 in retirement distributions and social security income. How might the changes affect them? So this particular couple, I think, is a common profile of a donor to charitable organizations like the United Way. A lot of people spend lots of years working and building up their savings, and then in retirement get really engaged in figuring out what they care about and what their causes are, and the yeah. kids' college has all been paid for, right. and they no longer have some of the other cash flow needs that they had previously in their lives. So in this case, our couple has a sizable investment portfolio, large tax-deferred retirement plans, and their income really comes from those retirement distributions, from investment income of dividends and capital gains and Social Security. They've paid off their mortgage, so they don't have a lot of deductions. And as a result, they're gonna lose the benefit of some of their state and local tax deductions and real estate tax deductions because there's a cap now of $10,000 on those. Mm -hmm. And then they've got their charitable contribution that is significant and it's actually going to benefit them because they're still able to itemize and it's actually a situation where their tax for the year at 18 is going to be more than it would have been in 17 because they were already paying tax at the favorable capital gains and dividends rate mm -hmm. on a lot of their taxable income at only 20 percent so losing the itemized deductions on the taxes here really has an impact on them actually causes their tax to be higher in 2018 after the implementation of the tax cut and should motivate them to think about more charitable giving because they're actually benefiting more per dollar of charitable giving in 2018 than they did in 17. And this is a good example, I think, Angel, of the what I've said a couple of times along the way in this podcast about really having to do the math for each individual situation. It's not apparent in the media right mm -hmm. now that a couple in this situation who are relatively wealthy mm -hmm. would have a higher tax in the in the year after the tax cut yeah. than they did in the year before. Yeah. So that's not what we're hearing in a lot of the news that we're seeing. In fact, we're actually hearing the opposite. We're hearing yeah. that the tax cut grossly you know, benefits those that are wealthy as opposed to those that are working. And it really depends on the individual scenario and what their sources of income and deductions are. So you have to do the math on every one of them. That's different for everyone. Yes. Wow. Well, you know, so far we've spent a lot of our time discussing how the changes will affect individuals. What effect might it have on corporations and how might their employees be impacted? Good question. So we first have to start with there's two basic kinds of corporations in a tax law perspective. They're the exact same thing from a legal perspective, but in the tax scenario, there are C corporations, which are entities that pay their own tax at the corporate level. And then there are also S corporations, which are generally small businesses that elect 
to have all the tax paid by the shareholders rather than by the entity. Mm -hmm. And so there's differences between how those two are impacted. So what we have in this new tax bill is a significant cut in the tax rate for C corporations. And if we think about C corporations in general, there are some small businesses that are organized as C corporations, but most big entities are C corporations. So if we think about all of the entities that are on the stock market and publicly traded stocks as an example are C corporations. And that's where we have a significant rate cut. So rates have dropped from 35% to a flat rate of 21% mm -hmm. in C corporations. It was previously a graduated rate structure and now it's flat 21%. And that large drop in the tax rate is obviously yielding significant additional cash flow to those yeah. corporations. Charitable deductions inside a C corporation are deductible only up to 10% of their taxable income. So it's kind of a toss up to figure out if corporate entities who obviously have individual decision makers mm -hmm. are gonna look at their tax savings as an opportunity to be more generous with charity or potentially look at the fact that the rate has dropped as less incentive to give to charity and take the tax deduction because that tax deduction now is gonna be worth 21 cents on the dollar as opposed to 35 cents. They're really factors arguing both directions okay. for C corporations. In the S corporation, all of the deductions flow through from the business to the individual shareholders so if I'm a shareholder in S Corporation and I own 100% of the stock, which is common, then we have to revert to all the individual tax rules and figure out how that charitable contribution is going to fit into my individual tax return and what my itemized deduction situation is. And we go back to all of those rules. So very different situation for S Corporations and C Corporations. In S Corporations with multiple owners, any of the charity that is given at the entity level is divided proportionately amongst the shareholders. So if you and I owned an S-Corp together, we would split that 50-50. Mm -hmm. And then each of us might have a different impact on our individual tax return, depending on what else we're doing with charitable contributions and whether we have mortgage interest and lots of other things. So the analysis in an S-Corporation scenario or a partnership would happen at the individual level. Okay, yeah. Well, it sounds like even on the corporate level, it's pretty complex. <laughs> I think the motivations are shifting mm -hmm. and the question really becomes was the corporation motivated for the tax deduction mm -hmm. or were they motivated to support their community I and I think generally the answer is both right and so it becomes a question of which one is more compelling in any individual uh, entity situation well we certainly have a lot of generous local organizations including GBQ so thank you for your support and, you know, we're going to be looking at putting a lot of new strategies in place to offset any possible effect of any reductions on charitable giving, particularly talking with donors about multi-year gifts or doubling their gifts every other year to take advantage of the IRA charitable rollover. It just seems like there are a lot of strategies that nonprofits could consider um, as they're moving um, through this change. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today about the change and what we all need to consider as nonprofits as we're moving along? So there are several things I think that are going to get a lot of attention as people think about charitable giving in the context of tax planning. The first would be that 
the standard deduction increasing may cause people to decide that they're going to make gifts every other year. Mm -hmm. And that sounds weird, but when you think about charitable giving often happening at the end of a tax year anyway, mm -hmm. it's easy to straddle the year between a December 31st gift and a January 1st or 2nd gift. And by doing that and really bunching those up, only moving them by a couple of days, but bunching them into a specific tax year, individuals may be in a situation where they can itemize every other year and take the standard deduction in the middle and get mm -hmm. more bang for their buck on the charitable contributions if they're not already hitting that threshold of the standard deduction that causes them to itemize. So that's one idea okay. is to consider timing. In some cases, a lot of people make multi-year pledges to charity and to those that have the wherewithal to fund those multi-year pledges in one year, there's more benefit certainly of giving it all in one year and then skipping, you know, if you're making a three-year pledge, make it all in, in year one and then come back again in year four. Mm -hmm. And that's probably going to create some wacky results for organizations that are trying to do cash flow planning on the, on the charity side. But it's always good to get the money earlier, right? Yeah. Uh, a second idea is to think about creating or giving to a donor-advised fund. And I know United Way is working on having that mechanism so here. excited, yeah. This so, year. you know, giving to a donor advised fund allows people to put a lot of money into a charitable fund that then gets paid out to charity over a period of time, but the deduction all happens in the year of the gift. And so that allows the donor, just as the name suggests, the donor to have an input on where those funds go in the future, but to get the tax benefit of the deduction all at once even though the money's may be paid out over time. Another idea is giving appreciated securities to charity rather than cash, because appreciated securities may allow you to give a bigger gift than you might otherwise give if you had to write it out of your checking account, mm -hmm. and you get the value of the deduction for the, for the fair market value of the securities rather than what you paid for them. So that may be another way to fund, particularly some of this bunching or prepayment of pledges, or even securities going into a donor advised fund. Okay. Certainly while the market is up, it's a great time yeah. to think about doing that. And that causes people to avoid paying capital gains tax mm -hmm. on the sale of those securities. And then the last would be um, taking advantage of the IRA charitable rollover, which is not a new thing in this tax law. Um, that allows people over age 70 and a half to move money out of their qualified retirement plans directly to charity and avoid paying the ordinary income tax on those distributions. At age 70 and a half, individuals are required to start to take distributions from their retirement plans and their IRAs anyway. Mm -hmm. And what happens is those are just subject to ordinary income tax. And that's a good source of funding for the charitable contributions, an especially better source in the situation now that we have a lot of retirees who may not be able to itemize. Sure, right. So this is a way to, to manage the tax consequences. So those are all great tips, Darcy, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, particularly during tax time. It's a very, very busy time of the year for you. Um, so it sounds like that, you know, with the changes in the tax code, I've heard you say it's unique for each individual and so they have to look into their own situation to determine how it will affect them and then timing is really really important as it mm -hmm. relates to 
the charitable deduction. So thank you for your time. Sure. Thanks for having me. So that concludes part two of our podcast on changes to the tax code and its effect on charitable giving. I'm your host, Angel Harris, and I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you. Thank you.